Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode with moi, obviously. Um, so I have an amazing guest on today for Cacao and Convos. Her name is Cleo Stiller, and she's got a really good book called Modern Manhood. Now, she is so in line with everything that I talk about, um, and it's an amazing book. And it's if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend reading it. It opens your eyes to... A lot of the things that like men are thinking but are afraid to say, or that men are experiencing, um, and you guys know that I'm like obsessed with men. I'm all about advocating for men because we're all humans and we all have equal equality. We all should have equality. We should have equality. Not that it happens, but we should have equality. Um, anyway, and so this episode we're talking about like dating and the Me Too movement and how to kind of navigate these things. Um, she is an ex journalist and just like amazing. So. Listen in, have fun, um, go get her book if you haven't already gotten it, have a read. If you haven't listened to some of my episodes about men and shame and guilt, um, you know, sex dating and the Me Too movement part one and part two, I'm going to also do another episode this week. Um, I'm going to record it this week on the art of emasculation. I've got quite a lot of episodes um, about men, tailored to men, um, you know, be great for your man, your man, the man in your life to listen to them, that kind of stuff. And it's sort of opening up this conversation um, because it kind of breaks my heart that like, you know, women have to advocate for the men because if they were advocating for themselves, they get so much fucking hate thrown at them when all they're kind of asking for is to not have their balls broken and to not be all grouped into like one situation of, you know, um, Harvey Weinstein's of the world. They're not all Harvey Weinstein's. Trust me, there are some amazing men out there and that's who we're advocating for. So, um, yeah, enjoy this episode. Oh, also this was recorded in February and I am so sorry, Cleo. I completely forgot to put it out. It happened in February and then I had to move house. As you guys know, in New York, I had to move to that new amazing apartment, which was definitely a problem. Um, but then I had to leave because of Corona. And then I guess I just completely forgot. And I lit- literally was watching your Instagram story in bed the other day. And I was like, fuck. And I messaged Shelby and I was like, oh my God, you have to message clear right now. I'm so sorry. And so I've gotten this out like ASAP because I feel terrible. So I'm sorry, Cleo, totally human error, total mistake. Um, I'm missing New York so much. So she was in Denver when we recorded this. I was in New York. I'm missing it so much. So you'll get some of the great New York vibes, the American vibes that I'm really craving right now in terms of like the New York energy, because it is such a place like, oh my God, I just don't know when I'll be back there because of what's happening in America at the moment and sending all of my Americans tons of love. And I'm thinking of you all because I can't even imagine what it's like being there right now as well. Um, I'm sending everybody love. I'm going to do a healing um, on Instagram live as well this week. Actually, it might be this morning once you might have actually, it could have already been, it could have already happened, but I'm going to save it as an IGTV. So if you're needing a little bit of grounding and a little bit of healing right now, go do that. It'll be like 20 minutes. So not too long. Highly recommend it. We all need to learn to protect our energy a bit more. So I'm just going to run through that with you all on Instagram, um, on a little live. So come and join if you can. Otherwise, um, otherwise, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. Oh, and if you're not on the wait list for Baba 2.0, get on that wait list is this week. We're going to open it up next week, but I'm going to talk about it this week. Baba 2.0, think of it like as a feminine business coaching program with lots of fire though. And also like helping you have that masculine container, which will actually get you where you need to go in your business. If you're just like floating around like a fucking fairy, that's not going to get you anywhere per se. We need to like bring, we need to bring some structure in there, but we want to be doing it all from the feminine place. That's what I'm teaching on in Baba 2.0. And there's a VIP option and a non-VIP option. So there's different price levels as well and whatnot, but it is like there's over 50 fucking videos in there. So like I keep adding more. I thought of another one this morning and I wrote it down. I was like, oh, record that one today. So it's juicy. It's fucking juicy. I can't recommend it enough. Um, and it's fun. I love doing businessy things. I have like half, half my brain is all like creative and woo woo. And then the other half is like very businessy and like get down to the nitty gritty, which I love. It's fun. It keeps it fresh, keeps me on my toes. Anyway, enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you all soon. Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I'm your host, Monica Yates, a period and ICF certified women's life coach. And I help women to harness the power of their period and connect to their feminine flow. In these episodes, we will be talking about all things periods, hormones, confidence, health, food, money, sex, business, feminine flow, your brain, energy, and all the stuff that goes through our heads. You will walk away from each episode with new chicken nuggets and truth bombs, as I don't have a filter and I love talking about all the shit that people are thinking but too afraid to say. Okay. 
Everybody, welcome back. This is Beautiful Clear, and she is the author of the amazing book, Modern Manhood. And I'm so grateful that you've like come on and, and have you talk to us about your book and everything. Um, do you want to give us like a little bit of a background on how you got to writing this book? Sure, absolutely. So I'm a journalist by trade. I started my career off at Bloomberg covering financial news and then moved over to Univision as a health reporter um, and was a television host for over there for five years with a television show called Sex Right Now with Cleo Stiller. Um, <laughs> my very- I wish I was like old enough to watch that. I don't even remember it. <laughs> Um, so it was obviously a very provocative title, which I chose, um, but the show really was a very um, intellectually vigorous show with a lot of heart that kind of just nailed, right? Um, I mean, it started back in 2014, which I'll just say is not that long ago years wise, but in terms of how American culture has changed, it's like dog years. So back in 2014, just to remind people, um, we had President Obama in the office. The Supreme Court had just legalized same-sex marriage, and dating apps were just hitting the mainstream to the point where the New York Times would actually go on to write a piece about ghosting, I think in 2015, and people were like, oh my God, what is ghosting? So... This time, right, was it, it um, we had people getting married later and later. We had dating apps and technology changing um, the way everyone was meeting and connecting. And then we had these really progressive and kind of liberal social attitudes in terms of gender and um, equality, really taking up well, like, the kind of were like the underpinning of our generation. So Sex Right Now covered everything from reproductive rights to basic health, body confidence, gender identity, um, and the show was national, so we shot stories all over the country. Now in 2017, the Harvey Weinstein scandal happened, and Me Too hit the mainstream. And a lot of men who watched my show started writing into me to say, are you gonna do a season on this? Because I have so much to say about what's happening right now, but I'm afraid to say anything because I don't wanna get in trouble. It's all so confusing. Mm. And then they would go on to ask me a question. And um, this is like the kind of questions that had they asked a couple of years ago would have seemed really kind of basic and like, I don't know, man, pick up a dating manual or something. <laughs> Right. But at this stage in the game, when things were changing so quickly, I thought, you're right. It is really confusing. And I certainly don't have the answers to these questions. Um, And just to give your readers an example of the questions that we tackle in the book, it's like they were in the gamut. They were they were in the zone of dating. So you would get people writing in like. I'm a single guy and I'm terrified to approach women. I feel like everything I was taught to do is now considered creepy. Yeah. This is a really big problem in Australia, actually, even more so than America. Really? Yeah. So in Australia, like, so for example, when you're in America and like, I've even noticed the difference just like personally, when I'm here, I'm the same person, obviously when I'm here, like, or even like in Aspen or in New York, like you will get men that come up to you in a bar, like, and talk to you, try and buy you a drink, X, Y, and Z, which is all like, I'm like, thank you. Yes. I take that. Right. I'm like, hell's yes. In Australia never happens. Like it is very very rare. Like you have to really like show a dude at the bar. Like I'm not going to bite your head off. Like literally I've had old flatmates that literally like we'd be talking and they'd be like, Oh yeah, we were out the other night, like him and his boyfriends, like him and his guy friends, we were all out. And like, so-and-so really wants to ask this chick, like go up to this chick. And I'm like, well, did he? And literally my, my flatmate was like, no, because he was afraid that, like, because they know they talk about this stuff with me because I'm all for it. Yeah. He was like, no, like, he was actually, we're too afraid these days that you're going to be like, what a creep. Don't mm. Like, that's actually what they're afraid of. It's cra- and in Australia, it's like quite a big thing. It's so interesting. I mean, I, and I, I believe you. I think you would talk to most people here in America and they'd say, yeah, no one approaches me anymore. Um, And actually we talked about in the book in that chapter, I talked to one um, dating coach who was saying that 
he brought one of his female clients out to a mixer for men and women and he like left her to go to the bathroom and then just like see how she would situate herself and she presented herself you know kind of like open and available with a drink in her hand just waiting and when he came out of the restroom he walked out and there were four guys around her but none of them were talking to her and they were all on their phones Mm -hmm. so that just kind of you know people that kind right like it can happen right in front of you but um, there's a fear or even just like an impulse to be on your phone anyway so okay so that was like dating right Hmm. Then um, I got questions also that applied to parenting or even like self, right? So I had um, men writing into me saying, you know, I'm watching this Kavanaugh hearing. So we had, we're, um, he is now a, a judge on our highest court um, in the United States. His name is John Kavanaugh. There have been a hearing about him where it came out that he was accused of several incidents um, of sexual impropriety, which is a nice way of putting it. Um, and there, it was very divisive in our country. And um, I had men writing to me while that was happening, like, I'm watching this and I'm judging this man for these stories that I'm hearing about him. While at the same time, I can't totally say that I never had something like that in my past. So uh, they're doing a lot of self-reckoning and then to add a layer on that, And it's crazy because I'm a new parent and I've got a son who's three years old and I'm like, how do I even raise a good man right now when I don't even know what a good man is? Oh, it's so like hard for them. Like I just like, it's, they, they carry a lot on their shoulders, I will say. It's, and this is the thing, right? So it's, um, you know, a lot of these old concepts that we have. So, and this is the thing about me too, right? That is unfortunate in some ways that the mastheads of the Me Too movement, the Harvey Weinsteins and the Bill Cosbys, they're rich and famous and what they did was on such a massive scale that people can point to them and say, uh, yeah, of course that's terrible. I'm nothing like that. So I have no work here. Mm-hmm. My work here is done. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a much more, sm- like a, on a personal level for quote unquote normal folks, right? I think there actually is a lot of work and a lot of self-inquiry that we can all be doing. Oh yeah. Uh, right? So so that's where the book lies. And basically what happened was I had all these questions piling up in my inbox for two years. And I would thought, gosh, hell if I know what to do with any of these. But at the same time that I was getting these questions from men, Monica, you were also probably going to these events, right? There were a lot of events like mostly organized for women and survivors of Me Too. Mm. And there'd be these really important, potent conversations happening about people's experiences and where we could possibly go from here. And then at these events, right, inevitably someone would look around the room and be like, where are all the men? Where are our allies? They don't care. And I knew they do care. <laughs> I know, like, yeah. to stuff them in a box of, like, all men are bad. I mean, that's why I have such a focus on, like, also sharing, like, that, that all men are not bad. There's shit women in the world and there's shit men in the world. But what about all of the men that are, like, that's unacceptable? So, and when I asked men then, well, you know, they're, like, in many ways, right, what can I do? I well, have you thought about going to X, Y, and Z event? Do you know of any? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I know that they're happening in my area, but I wouldn't go because no one, A, no one invited me, and B, even if I did go on my own, I assumed I wouldn't be welcome. Mm. And I can't entirely say that's not true, right? So I wrote this book because, um, so first of all, also I'm a reporter, that's my, and that's what this book is, it's a reported book. So I spoke to nearly 100 men across the country ranging in ages from 18 to 62, um, and they're from all regions, all ethnic backgrounds, all class backgrounds, because as we know, right, you know, the financial executive down in Wall Street in New York, is, who's like in his mid-30s, is going to have a really different perspective in some ways about what is up with masculinity today than like an 18-year-old Latinx kid in South Central LA or a 62 Guatemalan-American grandpa in Miami. Yeah. 
So we get this like great cross section in modern manhood where we talk to everyone and we're kind of like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's, what do you think about all of these specific questions? And we benchmark them um, against like, you know, historians, neurologists, biochemists, anthropologists to just kind of um, move forward together. So that's the book. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So after you like wrote the whole book and you were just like, wow, what was kind of like your, if you, if you could even put it into like a couple sentences, what was, what's your like, maybe what was like your pre um, belief about say men and the Me Too movement and now what's your new belief about it since doing all this research and really understanding it? I, I mean, going into it, I will say, um, it, it is my job to really approach stories with an open mind. And, and, and I think I have an unusual amount of empathy, honestly, for a person. It's sort of why I've been able to, why I chose the beat that I did, because I can report on stories that typically make people really uncomfortable. Um, and I just sort of present them without judgment. So I went into this, um, having reported on women's health for four years, right? Getting a Peabody Award nomination in that space, an Emmy Award nomination in that space, and a Gracie win. So I am a woman. I have- Yes, you are. <laughs> several accolades in reporting on women's health, and now I'm spending a year interviewing men. Mm. So I think a lot of people assumed that I would come to this topic kind of like a wrecking ball. Wow. But I really, I did not feel that way. I came with a lot of empathy and a lot of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And here's what I left with. I was personally shocked and so saddened to hear the, um, and again, I'll just, as a caveat, when you interview this many people, of course, they're there's no one observation I can make about everybody. Yeah. But the generalization was that, wow, there is so much fear and pain and anger and isolation in these stories. Um, again, come, you know, when you come from reporting on women's health, you're often, or sometimes you're telling stories about how women have been hurt by men um, and hearing now from men who felt, who feel like they get it coming and going, like they were raised um, that they have to carry all the burden alone on their shoulders. They can't ask for help. Um, if they do ask for help, they're less of a man or a failure. Um, they can't, you know, they can have friends, but they can't talk about anything meaningful. And then, you know, we have this narrative about men, like they're emotionally unintelligent um, and they can express themselves. But when we talk about in the friendship chapter, for example, is there's a reason for that. It's because we socialize them very early on. Toxic masculinity, yeah. And by the way, we don't use that term in the book at all because men hate that. <laughs> masculinity or toxic masculinity? Toxic masculinity. Because so, men hate it. So men what, hate that. In what way? They hate that term. I don't blame them. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's a very, uh, like, if you call toxic, I, you put toxic in front of anything, it's divisive. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, I learned a lot also about reporting this story because I learned what men don't like. And when in interviews in the beginning, when I first started conducting them and I would say like, oh, what you're describing, that sounds like toxic masculinity. What do you think about that? And their eyes, either they would just glaze over or they would get pissed. You could see it. Wow, that's so interesting. Cause I use like, I even say like toxic femininity. Like it's just oh. like, it's just like the wounded version of the, like the energy. That's so interesting. Yeah, no, I really found men hate that term and they just, any point you were going to make after that was completely not taken, you know, was lost. So when we went to, you know, publish, when I sent it into the editor, I said, 
because there's a way they wanted to brand it, of course, in toxic masculinity, you say it and people know what you're trying to say. But I said, if you put that anywhere in the marketing material, you're going to lose the exact people that we're going to try and reach with that. So, yeah, so we didn't use, so I don't use that word at all. And also, I, I did not like everyone I interviewed. I did not think that every story I heard was um, sympathetic, but I presented it exactly as it was told to me so that when you're reading as a reader, I'm not really interested in what you think I think about the story. I'm interested in letting everyone who reads this book make the decision for themselves. So, yeah, so it was really interesting. Like when people found out that I was writing this book, they came to me. So basically every chapter of this book um, is a different section of, or like a different, you know, area of your personal life. You do dating, sex, work, money, friendship, parenting. And each chapter answers two to three questions that I got asked over and over again. And each, yeah, it was because they all started falling into the same buckets. Like people had the same reactions, right? And so each of those questions opens up, as you know, um, with a personal story. And this was fascinating because I thought I was going to really have to go digging to, to find those stories. Mm -hmm. Totally not how it happened. When men heard, oh, there's a woman who has a reputation for just like kind of reporting the facts. She's writing this. They came to me and they were like, thank you so much. Do I have a story for you? I have been wanting to get this off my chest for a year or two, or even this one guy who was like, this story has been burning in my mind since 2011. Mm. And so I think that, um, when I walked away from this book, I, I cried in these interviews. I can um, imagine. Like, yeah. When men are like telling me, or even like man friends, when they're telling me stuff or when I'm hearing interviews or whatever, just like my heart aches for them because like, just like what you said, Cleo, of like, thank you for writing this, what they're saying to you. Yeah. The men that say to me, oh, but if I said this, I would get fucking killed. But so like, I said to Dom, actually, like, it's actually fucked how I'm allowed to say these things out loud but like if a man said hey could you do like could you give us a little bit more love they would get like burned at the stake pretty much (laughs) and here's the thing I actually think um I mean I do I'm I think I might trend a little bit more left than you yeah but I I what I call on for women and men regardless of like how liberal or traditional you are is to listen more and come with more empathy because I do, you know, um, and I'll just, again, another caveat about this book is that we didn't deal with any violent situations. I was very clear, you know, I have friends who are amazing investigative reporters and, and they're covering those violent stories and those stories that can get you locked up in jail. Um, that's not where we're operating here. This is like, this is the nuance, right? The gray areas. And so, um, when it comes to that, I felt like I understood there were women when they found women who knew me pretty well, when they found out I was writing this book, they were like, why are you doing that? You know, right? Like, they're like, first of all, you're going to get dragged by men on the internet. You're going to get dragged by feminists on the internet. Why are you, why are you doing this? And it, it was because I saw, I just see what's happening, right? And you've got like two different conversations happening in two different camps and no one, you know, one side being very angry because for decades they've been treated poorly correct and now this is a moment a sliver of time where they can share their stories and immediately the other side is on the defensive right so it's like it's warring factions um and i understand that from both perspectives but as like a, a human i want to see us move what i don't want to happen right is like here's what i'll say in 2014 a lot of straight men who I talked to this year, they were completely oblivious to all these issues 
in 2014 and before this type of person and they didn't care and they didn't really you know they thought they were good guys and they thought everything was fine mm. so now that we have a whole faction of the population saying wait this has been a problem this whole time they're often opening a little bit yeah right like what can i do oh my god tell me what to do yeah. so there's a little you know i don't want to turn them away and say, uh, if you don't know, then I don't have time for you. Right. That's not helping them. That's, that's not helping anybody. Yeah. Like, the bottom line is what I always say is like, it's called human decency people. Mm. Like, I like, mm. I just, I honestly feel like man, woman, whatever you, whatever you identify as, there is the underlying element of human decency. And I really feel like women and men have lost the idea of like, oh, I'm a human, so I'm just going to be nice to other people, and I'm just going to respect other people. I just feel like people these days have no respect and no human decency, and even the whole like ghosting thing that you mentioned before, yeah. I mean, that to me is a sign of pure disrespect, because any decent human would be like, hey, I've loved like getting to know you, but I'm just not interested. That's all you got to say. I don't know if people are listening to this and not watching this, they can't say my hands, but I'm like, mind blown. Like, I know. It's not so human decency. Bad. Yes. And okay, the art of human decency could be your follow up to my book, Monica, because yeah. basically where I come, I mean, there's obviously very specific pieces of advice that we leave people with in each of these scenarios. But let's take the one that seems so like, oh my God, I can't believe we're really talking about this. But what comes up over and over again, if you talk to men right now, is, um, I don't even know, like, should I hold the door oh, open? I knew you were going to say that. Should I not hold the door open? And, and, and me, and actually, this is where I feel like, I mean, it is so individual, but what's been really interesting is that all of my, like, clients and stuff that have done, yes. like, all of feminine healing work and become really feminine, and, like, me included now they're like yeah hold open the door because they're not making it mean something else in their head they're like receiving but if you were not someone doing that it can be taken a whole different way like if you were not really in your feminine as a woman a man holding you open a door can be taken completely the wrong way and it's like why are you making up that perception i know do you well, want to slam the door in your face like would that make you happy <laughs> <laughs> so then this is what i heard all the time the guy was like I was raised to hold the door, so I hold the door open for them. Not because I think you can't hold the door for yourself, because that was what I was taught to do. And then I hold the door for one woman, and it's fine. And then I hold the door open for the next woman, and then she'll literally yell at me for holding the door. And I said, okay, first of all, I don't know. I have not witnessed a woman yelling at a man for holding the door. Yeah. But I, if I heard it over and over again, I guess it does happen. So here's what I offer to people, and this is like the core message of the whole book. The question of whether or not a good man holds a door open for the person coming behind him, that is a distraction. And this question of like, what does a good man do today? I think that, that we will get lost there. What I really think people should do is think, what does a good person do? What does a good human do? Mm -hmm. Does a good person hold the door for the person coming up behind them? Yes, I think so. Great. And, right? Like, okay, so like, and if you do not want to hold the door open for the person coming behind you, okay. But that's also really good information to have about yourself. Like, that's kind of like a shitty thing to do, no offense. Right? Like, what kind of, per you know, what kind of person doesn't want to do that? You fucking... Keep the keep your arm back for a second longer. Really <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and then to the point then when say like someone does freak out at you, if you know women or men, if you've gotten clear that you hold the door open regardless of gender, but because that's what a good person does, and you are a good person, so that's what you do. Then when the person, the crazy person, loses their mind at you. That's not your problem. Exactly. You can, <laughs> you can like remain in knowing. I just held the door open for you because do you want to have a black eye? Yeah. You just say, I just hold the door open because that's what a good person does. Have a nice day. And you move right along in your day. Yeah. 
So, you know, again, it's like a little bit more nuanced. It can get a lot more complicated in more high stakes situations, but that's the basic premise of modern manhood because it's so individual how we were raised, plus our personality, plus where we are currently in our lives, what people think a good man, quote unquote, and what a good woman does. It depends on like, did you have a good relationship with your father? Or did you have a terrible relationship with your father? Totally, because that is like that trusting of the masculine or not trusting. Exactly. So it's really like there's no blanket rules, and I would never venture to tell an adult what to do. But I do think there is a lot to our behavior that we've never questioned. And there are some things that we were taught to do that probably need an upgrade, right? And that probably need to be leveled up. So if we plenty of things, plenty of things, right? Plenty. So if, if we get better at doing self inquiry about like, you know, for like for new parents thinking about what it means to raise a good son, um, that's a really deep question. And where, you know, I, I don't have kids, but I actually found that chapter really fascinating to write because kind of what it comes down to, what does what does a good human do? Like, don't worry about, you know. Not my question also. And there is like, well, yeah. there's the mention of what about raising a good daughter? Because women can also be shitheads these days too. So. Well, and, but here's the thing. So we end up policing girls very, like there's a whole narrative about um, girls should do this and not do that and show up like this. And, and there's also this idea that it's really hard to raise girls. But it's really easy to raise boys because boys are so easy. What? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what that's what people have said. Okay. Um, Interesting. And and what I you know what comes up in this book, like for raising a good son, for example, um, is this. Do you know every man? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a men's group, and it's it's national. And one of its co-founders is a guy named Dan Doty, and I interviewed him for a couple of chapters of the book. He's got. Um, got two kids now um, and one is a young son and he talks about how he Dan the man had to get really like honest with himself about his own issues because he really wanted to raise so he talks about how his son is like just like an emotional like I think I'm just gonna make up a word like a boom box like just like filled with emotion very sensitive very expressive um and that the you know in traditional masculinity that kind of expressiveness of emotion and vulnerability and sensitivity would be a little uncomfortable for Dan but Dan did not want to raise his kid thinking that he couldn't express himself and Dan realized if I don't want my kid to be uncomfortable expressing his emotions and feeling his emotions, then I can't be uncomfortable feeling and expressing my emotions. So it was this like double layer of work. And one thing he does with his son now, um, that like sometimes I do to myself, I'll just say <laughs> that I'm like, that's okay. So when his kid has a meltdown, instead of being like, boys don't cry or like keep it together, you're a man. He gets down on eye level with his little son and he'll say, what are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? And the boy has gotten used to now and experienced to like checking his emotions, like doing a scan. I feel sad or I feel scared. And Dan will say, that's okay, buddy. That's okay. You can feel that. Like, men have emotions too. Of course. I actually feel like a lot of women, and I will put myself in this box really for a long time until I started like diving into this and actually working with men. And I will say like, I didn't realize the amount of love that mm-hmm. men had in their hearts until I started working with them. And like, I would just be like my heart would be exploding because the way they would talk about their wife or their daughter and just like, and they just the love and the passion. And I'm like, we just don't, I really feel like a lot of us women don't give enough credit to the fact that men still feel our emotions. And some research even shows that they feel it worse because they can't express it to a friend. Mm -hmm. So 
it just gets, it gets them like, that's why they say men actually have a worse time going through a breakup because they don't have a, like a group of girlfriends to come over and watch Netflix with and bitch with and like talk with. So they actually have like a worse time. And like, that like breaks my heart because like no human should be worse off because of society's idea of like, oh, well, if you call your mates, then you're weak. Like what? Yeah, I know. I know. So sad. And that's the friend, and that leads into the friendship chapter, which also I was like, oh, do I really have to write a chapter on male friendship? But that that is so that. interesting. Male oh. friendship it blows my mind. The way they communicate, even watching them, I'm like, or even have you ever had a friend clear, like a man friend, where they, you know, they have close friends, but they'll only tell you something, and you'll be like, oh, did you tell your mate? And they're like, no. And you're like, well, why are you telling me? And it's like it blows me away. I'm like, why, like. Tell your best friend. I'm, uh, or, or how about when they'll say like, oh yeah, John is getting a divorce. And you'll be like, oh my God, what happened? Are they okay? And you'll be like, I don't know. We didn't talk about it. And you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. You let them say that they were getting divorced and that was the end of the conversation? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just pause. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh hey. Wow. Okay. So. With the dating chapter, I feel like people are going to be super interested in this one. So how has it, in like a blanket, like quick overview, how do you feel like it's changed over the years with dating? Because even in the late 1900s, it was starting to change of like, do I hold like run a door? Do I, like, it was starting to get confusing. And now it's a whole nother level of confusing for men. And I also feel like for women and, and for the women that, follow me and are in my circle, what they're getting quite frustrated with is that when they're in their feminine, they actually want a man to do certain things, but because men are too afraid to do that, they don't do it. And as a result, the women are getting really fucking frustrated. So it's yeah. just all getting, I feel like we all need a new fucking handbook. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what, how's it changed? So, okay. Um, first of all, that is the correct assessment. Everyone seems very frustrated. And, and on the one hand, I'll say like, if you went back to previous um, time periods and decades where things seemed more fixed, I don't necessarily, I don't think most people would argue that that was better because that gave no one freedom and also had women in a much more, you know, like they had no freedom, they had no economic freedom. So it's not like, um, you know, when people say, like, if we could wind back the clock, we would be we better. Don't want to do that. Like, better for who? Yeah, we um, don't want to do that. Yeah, so that's not... I, I think we just really need to reach this, like, happy medium where it's, like, for well, from my perspective, where it's, like, women are allowed to be in their feminine and have their jobs and have freedom, X, Y, and be really strong and successful. And at the same time, what I see in a lot of women is we all want that, but we also want the ability to come home and be looked after. Mm. And I feel like that's what I'm missing. It's like, well, now all women want to just be like CEOs and girl bosses. And it's like, we want that. And we also want the ability to like, ha like come home and for our boyfriend or husband to have run a bath for us. Um, so I feel like we need to almost like take the best pieces of the past years and put them into like a new fucking year. <laughs> well, I'm like, if anyone knows any partner who will come run a bath for you. Like, oh, ask you my, clients. <laughs> my clients. That like, lovely. Yeah, I know. It, it happens all the time. But this is, this is also why, like, having your perspective and then, like, the importance of, like, blending all these pieces is, is crucial because the amount of people, the amount of times, no joke, where women will get, that only they do the work in the relationship, right? Yeah. Just And by some grace of God, actually what is the energetic shift, their boyfriend or partner steps up in this more loving, masculine, like I'm going to run you a bath kind of way. And my client's minds are like, what the fuck is happening? Like not complaining. And, um, and I feel like we need to be blending more of those pieces together because women want that. Men want to be able to run a bath for a woman without it meaning like, oh, she now thinks I want to have sex with her and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, it's so interesting, the whole dynamic of like, we need the feminine and the masculine for us all to be happy, but we also need all these other parts and the equality and all that jazz. So here's, I, I think that we run into some trouble when we start lumping in women like this and men like this. Yeah. Because what I've found in my years of reporting and research does suggest this, that actually 
there, the differences between women and men are less than the differences between individuals based on personality, region, class, cultural affiliation. So it becomes a little tricky, I think, when we say like women like this and they want to do this and men like this and we want to do this. And I, and I think it, that's where a lot of the fear and the confusion comes from. So for example, let's use what we talked about in the dating chapter. Again, I could not believe that this was the question that people wanted to talk about, but men are up in arms about whether or not they pay on a date. And <laughs> I'm like, seriously, it's 2019 and this is what we're talking about. But it's a really great um, crystallization of all of this stuff, right? So here's the deal, right? Most people in a traditional setting were raised that men pay for women. Some men from, this is what I heard. Men were telling me, some men were like, that's how I was raised. That makes me, like, that's like what I was taught a gentleman does. So that's what I want to do. But I feel like if I offer, then she's going to get offended and think that I don't believe in women's equality. What the fuck? Mm. And I heard from other men who were like, if we're doing this whole equality thing, why am I still on the hook for paying for dates? What the fuck? <laughs> and then I asked women. I'm like, okay, <laughs> women, what is the deal? And some women would be like really progressive in other areas of their lives. But when it came to getting whether or not they were being treated, they like to be treated. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because it's kind of, it doesn't quite vibe with the, the other areas that you present yourself. And they were like, hmm, yeah, I know. I don't know why, but that's just how I feel. It's like, it's a, a visceral thing. And I'm like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's how you feel, it's how you feel. But how does your part, like, how would your partner know that? Do you tell them that? And they're like, no, I would never tell them that. So you've got women, like, who run the gamut. And, and for example, when I was in my early 20s, I actually liked to go Dutch. It, made, it was like, that was how I was raised. So I like to go Dutch. And I had friends who were more from traditional backgrounds who were like, fuck no. They should pay. Absolutely not. Yeah. And here's the thing. So my feeling, and guys, when I would say this to guys, it'd be like, well, it's just, like, before we get carried away, like, what do you want to do? And they're like, what do I want to do? Like it was a, a, like a, like a light bulb went off in their head that they even had a choice about what they wanted to do. Do you want to pay? Right? Some guys, I heard some interesting theories on this. Some guys were like, um, I believe in the pay wage gap. I know it's a thing. And so I would like to pay. This is when I push them. I believe in the pay. <laughs> I don't believe. In the I believe in it. That's like I believe in climate change. I don't believe. It's just a thing. I believe. Not religion. I believe wow. in gravity. So I acknowledge that gravity is a thing. So, um, you know, I, I acknowledge that that's a thing. And I, so I guess, and this is, they thought about this, right? Like what's right for them. They're like, so I feel that I would want to pay for the first three dates and then I would want to go Dutch. And I thought, okay. That sounds too confusing to me. Fuck that. <laughs> if I was dating a guy, I'd be like, this is way too much maths. Goodbye. So, okay. And here's the thing. You should not date that guy. And that's totally fine. And that's kind of where I came at it with these guys. I'm like, first of all, get clear. Like, do you want to pay? And some guys are like, yeah, it feels good to me to treat. I like that. And I said, well, that's wonder a wonderful impulse. You should go with that then. But you should also communicate that to your partner. Yeah. You know? It's a lovely thing to say and communicate. And then they're like, yeah, but what if she's like, I don't like that. I'm like, you know what? Then I don't think you guys are going to work anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's like, boom, right? We're all um, entitled to our different desires. Like, yes. It feels good for yes. us. I think we'd have to really honor that they're like whatever it actually just comes down to with men and women whatever feels the best for you yes. like 
in your core, not what society or what your ego thinks, but in your core, like for me personally, in my core, and, and I also do believe there is definitely an element, um, and it totally depends on you as a person as well. There is an element of like, biologically, women want to be protected by men. Like, like it's in our DNA, right? And for a lot of women that I've talked to and me personally, that can come through via like looking after you with paying for things. But also there's more than one way to provide. So if I was dating a man that like couldn't pay for shit, but he cooked me dinner at night that I paid for the groceries, I'd be like so fucking happy. Like that would also be fine. And I just still feel, I just feel like, so like when I'm out on a date, when a man pays, I make a really concerted effort of being like, thank you, because it feels like I'm being treasured and mm-hmm. cherished, like women want to be cherished, yes. men want to be like wanted, and then he feels like, like yeah, like I've just really pleased her, and it's like men's mission to make women happy, like they just want to make us happy, right? And um, that's, that feels good for me, and it feels good for them. And I honestly just feel like we all need to tune into like what feels best in our, at our core and what like feels good in our soul and roll with that. I'm totally with you. And if we did that more and had confidence in what we felt instead of what society is telling us to do, I think that that's the pathway to alleviating a lot of the fear and insecurity that's happening right now. You're really clear on what's motivating your own behavior. And again, this can get like a little bit fraught. So I just want to clarify, like, I'm not saying that men don't need to listen to women at all because you're like, I know what I want to do. Like, fuck off everyone else. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have really thought about how your behavior impacts other people and you're really clear about your motivations, like, no, I really think this is how a good person would show up. That's most of the battle right there. Like you're less worried about offending someone when you're really sure that you've listened and thought about it and you know what you're doing is what a good person and unauthentic to you does, right? Yeah, and I also feel like having more curiosity, like not asking questions from like a blame or like a why are you doing this kind of shame way, but just like, hey, I'm curious. Like literally being curious about things because if you have a conversation with somebody from a place of curiosity, there's no like shame or judgment being put in the container and therefore like the truth can come out. So if you were like, Hey, out of curiosity, do you enjoy paying for our dates? There's no shame or like expectation shoved in there. It's like literally out of curiosity. And from that place, you could actually like then think about it and be like, huh, actually, yeah, I do. Or like, "Mm, I'd actually love it if sometimes I remember one of my exes said, just so you know, you actually said to me one time, when you occasionally pay for things, it makes me really happy. Like he'd pay for like 80% of the stuff, but we'd be out for lunch or something and I'd be like at the counter, so I would just pay. Because it was like also like just like human decency and like I'm right there, so why wouldn't I pay? Like yeah. I'm literally in front of like the paper. <laughs> like I will just, I'm not going to move and make him come up. Like not a big deal. And with the whole, with even with the not a big deal thing, I mean, I'm someone that I'm like, guys, stop reading into shit. And I honestly feel like for some of us, we need to stop making meanings up that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like so-and-so paid, it doesn't mean anything so you can't pay. He's probably just paid because like he was at the checkout first or like, because it's not a big deal. It's two copies, not going to break his bank, like break his, um, break, um, break the bank. All that okay, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So with the dating, what are like the top fears that men have? these days yes so um what came up the most and you kind of mentioned this already is like the archetype of of men as pursuer yes which it's uh that's one of so actually we talked to dominic about that and it's like um this concept known as the hero's journey where like even out of the dating field right one of the highest qualities that we've historically valued about men, men and masculinity is that like against all odds despite all obstacles put in his path a good man just pursues and pursues and pursues gets knocked down gets back up again it's like it's rocky it's like the wall street ceos and it also isn't the lover right so part of the problem with that is that when 
you have this archetype of pursue, 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 and this notion that, like, when you pursue, the guy gets the girl. Like, that's the story that we tell people. Well, it's also in movies and all of the... everywhere. All all the fairy tale movies. Some of those movies are fucked up if you really think about them. Well, this is... So I had one... So the story that opens the dating chapter actually came from a guy, again, who was like, oh, my God, you're writing this book. I want... He's like, I know that Disney stories, they always talk about how they mess up women. He's like, they mess up men, too. And he said, this always sticks out to me. When he was young and he watched Cinderella... And there's that scene in Cinderella, and Cinderella's in the ball, and she knows that she's about to turn into a hot mess at the strike of midnight. So she's like, I've got to go. And the prince is like, no, don't go. And he like grabs onto her. She's like, no, I really got to go. He's like, don't go. He chases her, sends a whole army out after her. The guy that wrote into me was like, that always stuck with me. I thought that she'll say no, but I just got to keep going and wear her down. Oh my God. (laughs) So, and this is why it's like, I hear that story and I just like a catalog of stories from other women about like tone deaf pursuit comes to mind. And you're like, this is how we got here. This is how we got here. Because for a lot of men, no means try harder. Exactly. If you think about it, like, in, like, a sexual scenario, no means try harder. Because also, in a work scenario, no means try harder. Exactly. And we're not, like, separating. We've got, I feel like a lot of people have also lost lost touch with, like, the nonverbal language cues. So they can't separate. When someone says no to you, like, "Mm, you didn't get the job. Yeah, in that scenario, I would say you try harder. You keep going. Like, if you want the job, you fucking get it. But if someone is naked with you in bed and says no... That does not equal try harder. That's fucking no. And that was also the story that led the sex chapter, which was also with a guy who, uh, you know, got into bed with a girl, made a move. She was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I thought we were just friends. And he stopped for a second and was like, women always say no at first. So then he went back and like attacked her almost, like tried to yank down her panties and she jumped out of bed and was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. When he told me that story, I had goosebumps because I can so identify with her, but here I am hearing it from his side and he was terrified in that situation because it took her like jumping out of bed and it, it took him basically like assaulting her grabbing her underwear for him to realize oh no she really meant no yeah oh that was really no how did I misread that how did I misread that I've had male clients where I've had to explain this to them and they're married and they do and that when their wife is like nah babe that that actually means no babe like yeah oh she needs more cuddles like she's just saying no but she actually means yes and it's like and honestly like Personally, I actually don't feel like that's their fault. Like, I, I don't feel like we, we can be like, that's a terrible man because he wasn't born thinking like that. Like, that was a belief put in his brain. It is not his fault. And he's been living it out because nobody's told him otherwise. And I, 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 I really, really believe from like the bottom of my heart that we are perpetuating the issue by shaming men instead of actually trying to help them to understand we don't mean that like there is a communication barrier between women and men and by shaming them that's not helping the scenario whatsoever it's kind of making it worse well and then we have this situation too right where we tell men pursue at all costs don't ask questions don't ask for permission and we tell women we like put women in this awful catch-22 which is like if you are sexually available you're a slut and so you're supposed to be virginal but you're also the gatekeeper of sex which makes men think of you not as a person not as like a potential lover to have like a really intimate um wonderful you know encounter with but some someone from from whom you need to take something so like sex is instantly adversarial and we tell women like if you are give it up too easy, you're a slut. And if you don't give it up at all, you're a prude. Um, 
and don't say anything. And then we also tell women like a good lover or a good partner like reads your mind. Oh my God, what? Newsflash. <laughs> yeah. Men can't read women's minds. Yes, like, right. I, like, our brains literally structurally are different. So like, it's just not going to happen. Like it's literally our brains are so different that no matter how hard they try, our limbic system is different. Gray matter, white matter, it's all different. So don't even fucking try. Well, even I mean like newsflash, like I can't read my girlfriend's mind. I can like yeah. sit across the table and know whether my girlfriend like wanted me to go, to, you know, like that's yeah. not going to happen. It's not possible. So, hello? It's a disaster. It's just a complete and utter disaster. And I sympathize for everyone involved. And it's not super. So that's what we do in modern manhood is like we set the stage and we explain how we all get into these situations so commonly. And again, I think it is, um, it's helpful for men to have this information. It's helpful for women to have this information too, but it's helpful for men because the fears I heard from men was that it's just like, a crazy witch hunt going on right now. That's what I've said. It's like the witch hunt's gone the other way where now we're hunting men instead of hunting women. I don't feel that way, but that is how men definitely feel. And I feel that like if we share the information, this context about what's happening, it kind of, you're like, oh, okay. So I hope that people who read the book, read the dating chapter, read the sex chapter, kind of come away from this. Like the next time they're, they're you know, maybe going to get intimate or like deciding whether to pay for a date, maybe they just open their mouths and say, Does this, is this okay? Does this feel good when I touch you here? Do you mind if I touch you like this? And she could be like, I love when you touch me like this and you don't have to ask anymore. I know. Or actually just read her body language. Like, if she is like fidgety that's like a no yeah <laughs> if you can tell that she's like not present and not with you then stop like that's a pretty like that's also like if she's trying to like get like get away then that's like she's trying to get away like fucking there you go and so then that's also the thing you know it's like you i heard from these guys they're like i thought i was a good guy and i'm like but then you talk, you're like, if she's trying to get away from you, stop. And then a guy might be like, but then I don't get to sleep with her. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want to sleep with someone who doesn't want to sleep with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, not a vibe, mate, not a vibe. <laughs> no. um, and just okay. what I was saying before even about like, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. Like if we sleep with too many men, we're called a slut as women. And if we don't, then we're a prude. I also want to throw in there like, but you also have to, I just, it literally just occurred to me of like, there are plenty of cases where women have gotten men really drunk when they're out at a bar or whatever, and then they've pressured the man heavily to come home. And then the, the man at the same time is like, well, I don't want to say no to going home and sleeping with chicks. So I'll say, I'll just do it. I'll just, I'm drunk. I'll just do it. And eventually they give in. And I've had stories told to me like, like of these scenarios. And I'm like, there's another scenario of like this poor dude has basically like been forced to have sex with so-and-so when he didn't really want to. And he also felt like he couldn't say no, because then that would be going against the grain of like yes. men. Just lots of the man. Exactly. It's just like ugh, the whole thing anyway. Um, okay. So last question, and I'll let you go. What do you feel like in your opinion are women's roles in this scenario? in this national conversation about what's happening right now. Yes. Again, I think it's, it's, there's no singular female experience. And so I heard from a lot of women, like, listen, they said to me, like, I'm glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. I personally, as a survivor, do not want to have this conversation with men. Like I cannot do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's completely unacceptable. I would not ask women who have been on the receiving end of violence or abuse to come with this level of empathy that they themselves did not receive. So I think, I, and I will never be someone to tell women, you need to listen more because women have been doing a lot of listening. Yeah. But I will say to the women that can come with the empathy that is needed, please do do it for your sisters who can't because the men need this and they want this and this feeling that men don't care they do care oh, they care so much they do care and um and i also just say like to men and women 
Um, this, this is such a layered, nuanced conversation that is hitting all of these areas in our lives and it impacts all of us differently based on our background. So there's no quick fix. And this impulse that some people have to say like, this is a shit show and we need to go back to the 50s that is also not the answer. Like that is not the answer. And so really like what we're dealing with is we are, are long overdue for this correction. We are long overdue and we have to do decades and generations work, worth of work. So you kind of really have to strap in for maybe a whole nother generation or more of really uncomfortable conversations. And like, you're gonna fuck up. You are gonna hurt someone's feelings. You're gonna be made to feel stupid. You know, try and handle it with grace. Yeah. And know that you're doing it for the better, you know, like the greater good. Cause this is what comes up again, right? Men being like, I am a good guy. Like, tell me what to do. Yeah. And I can't really tell you what to do, but I can say, like, strap in for the long haul because we don't wanna be having the same exact conversation 70 years from now, right? I think people need to get comfortable with having the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Yes. And like, and I always believe like, even if like you trigger the fuck out of somebody from your uncomfortable or forward conversation, maybe it will make them think over the next few weeks and then they won't make that mistake again, or they will, they will show up differently in the next relationship and you just helped like the next woman or the next person. Yes. Yes. So even if you have the uncomfortable conversation, they're triggered as fuck. It's like, whatever's meant to happen is going to happen in your life. It'll all work out perfectly. And you might've helped them and therefore their future relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. any last words, Cleo? No, this was such a wonderful conversation. So Cleo's book is called Modern Manhood, everybody. I'll put the link in um, the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. This is so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Clear. Well, um, let me know when you're back in New York and we can catch up. Perfect. Okay, bye. Have a good day. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you got lots of chicken nuggets out of today's episode. I would be really, really grateful if you'd be able to leave me a review and a star rating that you think is appropriate, hopefully five. And if you could share this podcast so that I can help more women live a life of flow and ease, I would be so fucking grateful. Make sure you tag me in it on Instagram so I can personally thank you because I know so many of my clients have found me literally because their friends have posted about my podcast on their Instagram story. And I just want to help as many women as possible. So by you sharing it, I would be so fucking grateful. And I'm sure your friends would be too. If you do want to welcome me, please do check out my website for all those details. And of course, you can DM me on Instagram with any other questions. If you have any podcast things you want me to talk about, any ideas, any feedback, I am always open to it. And I always love hearing what you guys have to say. So please don't hesitate about that either. I will catch you on the flip side. Have an amazing day or night wherever you are. 